Okay, so I'm at my daughter's game today. And I'm sitting in the stands, right? And somebody's like, hey, Kip, you know, you know, they knew the transition I've had in coaching, but they knew I, I had coached D3 for a long time. And he led off with, yeah, D3, I mean, that's got to be tough because, you know, you guys, you don't have scholarships. So, you know, kids are just kind of showing up for the games. And I wanted to go nuts, man. I wanted to go nuts because it's, but it's one of those misconceptions. Like, what, is that something you run into? Give me a stigma because that, it drives me insane. I recognize we don't have LeBron on our roster. But our kids give a damn, and they're pretty good, right? Yeah. No, that's that's it, man. Even when I get asked, you know, oh, where do you coach at, George Fox? Okay, what 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 is that? NAIA D two? No, it's D three. Oh, so you guys don't give scholarships, huh? And it's like this pause, like like they should feel sorry for us, you know? And right. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's the biggest thing. I think it it's very much regional, man. You probably experienced this though too. Like in my since I've been at Fox and as I've learned more of the landscape, especially when we've been playing you know, these different schools from different parts of the country, you know, I've come to realize it's really just a regional thing, Great call. you know, in the Northwest. Like, I mean, they don't care. People are yeah. familiar with the GNAC. People are familiar to some degree with the, the Cascade Collegiate Conference, but nobody knows anything about the Northwest Conference, right? right? Or basketball. And so, so there is that, it's, it's the, the misconception that it's almost like a club sport or like, yes. Right, and anyone can be a part of our team. Like, dude, everyone on our rosters is an all-conference player. Everyone yeah. we go after. Yeah. Oh, man, no, you're speaking the language. You're speaking yeah. the language. Yeah, so that's the tough part, and, and it's like, you know, and we just haven't had enough, like, especially where we're at, local success to bring yeah. eyeballs. I'm not just talking about our program. I'm talking right. about just, yep. you know, Whitman and Whitworth, they're – you know, they're hundreds of miles away. So nobody in, you know, in our area is going to be concerned with that. And so, um, yeah, yeah it's, just, it's, it's, we're tough. fighting it. We're fighting. Streams podcast, Left Coast Story, second episode, and, and as I mentioned in our first one, a really great opportunity that I wanted to seize on is when, when you transition out of being a head coach in a conference, and you've been going up against guys, um, you don't really get a peek behind the curtains, because you're, you're just battling each other, and you're competing with each other, and today's guest, obviously, uh, Coach Mako Hamilton from George Fox, and I have been lucky enough to build a, a great relationship, aside from trying to score the most points against each other twice a year. But that's part of the, the envisioning of this left coast story and what we got to do with Coach Murray and POU in the first episode is really brag about the people I was able to compete against for 14 years as a head coach. Give them our small platform to showcase their programs, their players, to brag about their guys um, and hopefully be able to utilize it in recruiting and national exposure and building their brands. So uh, episode two, excited to have a good friend of mine uh, on the show. Coach. I said in the questions, like you only get a timeout when they think the time, which is an under undersold part of coaching, isn't it? Like the timeouts go fast as F, right? But you don't have to, you don't have to limit yourself, right? Give, introduce yourself to the Cross the Streams pod and just your journey in coaching, man. Yeah, Mako Hamilton. uh, I'm just finished my 10th year at George Fox University. Uh, I've been coaching now for, um, shoot, over 20 years. Crazy to think. I uh, started as a, as a high school, just a, a, you know, just a meager little 
freshman coach, uh, and and as I was trying to figure out life, um, really found this this passion for working with young people around the game of basketball. Um, and so as I kind of grew in that that foundation, I was fortunate enough to to be the head coach at a brand new high school, which is um, you know not something that is very common, and that was really good for me in my coaching journey, giving me an opportunity to really just grow and 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 challenge myself in different ways. And so I did that for six years at Union High School. Um, and then I've been fortunate to be at Fox for 10. Uh, it's a, it's a, an evolving journey coaching. You know, you never, you're never uh, settled. You shouldn't be. And so I always feel like I'm growing and, and, and uh, just the love of basketball has really led me to this, this point in my life. The, you know, one of the, it's, it's nuts. You said 10 years you've been there because I remember when you first got the job, cause I had no Mark Sunquist who you, who you replaced there. And now he full circle He's the athletic director at my wife's school where she's a teacher and coach. It's crazy, right? Coaching never yes. fails to introduce us to people. Talk about a little bit, and this isn't in the script, that when you were making the decision, because you obviously had a lot of success at Union, right? When you made, when you were looking, it kind of plays into what we were talking about with the D3 stigma. And somebody said, hey, Mako, there's a D3 job open. What did you know about it then? Well, you know, what, what did you how, – how did the Fox come about? Yeah, so I was I – was, to be honest, very naive. I mean, I played small college basketball, played at an NAI school, so I had a familiarity, but but not great. Um, you know, I'm a college basketball junkie. Definitely, uh, you know, have have always had a concern or focus on regional, um, you know, just competition at all levels. So so I, I was I knew about it, but I was naive to a lot of things associated with it. But I always felt like this would be a good level for me if I were ever to go into college coaching. For two reasons. Uh, the first is I never wanted to compromise the whys of what I do. Mm. Um, and I just know, it, you know, college is it's a little bit more cutthroat. Um, and I and I've always been about making the journey for the young people I work with the the, the center of it all. And then secondly, just recruiting, man, that's a big part of it. And, and if you don't have experience with it, it can it can eat you up. And this was the one level where I felt like I could you know, learn and yeah. still find some successes. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of, I was naive to a lot of stuff. And, and as time has gone on, you know, I've learned that and been able to, you know, grow and evolve in certain areas. Um, but that's, that's really what, what, you know, enticed me or intrigued me about the George Fox opportunity. And, yeah. and uh, once it was presented to me, I it just felt like a, a, a clean and new challenge. And, and I'm always eager for that. And it, it's you mentioned this even in your, you know, kind of given your background, it sounds like a, a similar mantra that I have fail quickly, like F it, let's do it. And we might step in it. We might mess it all up, but we wouldn't even learn how to not do that if we didn't try. Does that seem like a through line for you in your career? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not one to to make excuses. Uh, you know, I mean, we're I think we're always prevy to what we don't have or what we would need to be better but I've always been in the mindset, like, let me work with what I got and try to be the best at it. And and so um, and I say that because that that attitude, that mindset is, yeah, it's led me to run into walls and dead ends where it's OK, this isn't going to be fruitful. Um, but without exploring, I wouldn't have known differently. And that that also helps lead to success and growth, you know. And so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to try all things if it leads me to a path of, of greatness. Well, OK. I said 30 second timeout, but you can take longer because Chad took about four 30 second timeouts. Okay, I probably went balloons. quicker on that first. <laughs> but you're fine, man. Style of play. Obviously, I, I have an idea of what we had to go up against with you guys, but talk to the audience, talk to the people. If they come see your teams play, 
what are we going to see? Yes, yeah, it's, it's organized chaos is what we what we call it. Uh, we play we, we want to play fast. We want to play a high possession game. Um, it, it really that mirrors itself on both ends of the floor. Defensively, we are a pressure system. You know, we press 40 minutes a game. I was actually listening to a podcast with Tobin Anderson, the Ooh, new I am the coach, and he was talking yes. about pressing and how at um, you know FDU, they were the number one press team in the country last year. They pressed, I think he said, like maybe 32% of the time. Or And I'm thinking like, man, that doesn't even that's pale not, in comparison. That's, to what that's nothing, right. Um, yeah, so that's what we do, and then you know, offensively, we want to we 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 play fast. We want our guys being able to play to their strengths. Uh, I try not to micromanage them. We do a lot of concept driven uh, stuff offensively, where our guys can just go play and and play free. Um, you know, and I think that style uh, is attractive to young people, um, and we think it you know it's unique, it's different, but it's something that we really value. When you you mentioned high possessions, which which really you know I think we've connected a lot in our in when we're not playing each other, talking about similar beliefs and how the game should be played. Can you think back to what's the what's the first time you were like, shit, it's about possessions? Because I say that because a lot of people will say we play fast because we press, but then their mm-hmm. offense inherently limits their ability to get to high possessions. So where was maybe an aha moment or did you start like, Oh, a lot of possessions offensively should match with pressure. How did that, how'd you marry those two? Yeah, I think it's probably the other way around where it's like, I wanted to play fast. Didn't even really mm-hmm. think about the possession, you know, the, 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 the analytics behind that. And then as I matured in coaching, it was like, Oh yeah. Like I want to play high possessions and here's why. And the reason why uh, is, you know, I, I want our margin for error to be to be great, mm. uh, but that also goes back to trusting young people, mm, right? Mm-hmm. If we're going to play a slower pace, we're going to have a, a smaller margin for error. But I'm going to be as a coach, I'm going to be in more control of that. And I just that's just not how I vibe. I didn't like that as a player. I wanted the freedom to be able to play, and so I tried to, um, you know, uh, pass that on to our guys in terms of what we do philosophically. So. So the high possession mantra really is about, okay, we're going to have some times where our guys are going to make some mistakes. They're going to do some, maybe take a quick shot. That's not a good shot. Turn the ball over here, blow a defensive assignment. But that won't in and of itself hurt us in the grand scheme of things because we've created more opportunities to do positive things. So mm, uh, that's mm. why, that's how they they mirror and come together. So it started as, I just like playing this way. Right. It has, you know, morphed into like, well, the reason why I want to play this way outside of just, I like it, it's advantageous to what I believe. Yeah, man. And it's, it's fun for me on this side of the equation now and asking you and Chad and other guys, you know, what, who do you want to be? I feel good about the scouts we had because that's what we would tell our guys about you. Like, Hey, we're going to play Fox. We're going to need all of you ready to get in the game because we're going to be tired as F because they're going to pick, they're going to pick us up. They're not going to stop picking us up. There's going to be varied ways they pick us up. So you're not going to get settled into, oh, I know where this trap's coming from because there's about 40 different points. And then if you can't guard, they're going to find you and they're going to let their guys create. And then, you know, so it's fun to hear like, yeah, okay, we had an idea. We couldn't stop it, but we had an idea. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a little bit, you know, kind of your the, the, the philosophy. What other through lines or origin stories for your overall coaching approach? Is it people that you played for? Is it, you know, you mentioned like you were a freshman coach and then got a varsity job. How have you built into who you are? What are some of those influences to the the bedrock of what you believe in? Yeah, it really is the whole basketball journey that I've been on. Um, and obviously, for time's sake, I won't get into all the different nuances, but it, it started as a player. 
going back to high school, you know, the first high school that I was a part of, we actually were a pressing team, which was an anomaly back in the, you know, the yeah. mid-90s. Right. And I loved, I loved that style. I loved how the effect it had on our opponents. And then um, I loved being in, you know, again, when I played in the 90s, I mean, that was low post and a lot of just screen away. So you're getting shots off screens. Nothing was really created. And I just remember as a player loving to create off the bounce. Mm-hmm. And it just evolved and it just continued. So that's kind of where it started. Then it was being around or listening to coaches, seeing styles of play, studying different um, individuals and what they do. And then when I got into coaching, really diving into that more. Um, and there's also been points where I've played for and been a part of staff. So like, I don't like that. I don't like playing mm-hmm. that way. I played for a coach who was awesome. Or I worked with a coach who was awesome. We had about a hundred set plays in at the high school level. Oh. So like, I didn't like that. It was too much. Right. I, mean, I just, the the control that it forced over the kids and so um so my basketball journey you know the it all has morphed from experiences that I've had you know and obviously Mm -hmm. I've been geared towards doing a certain thing or or I've been wired to play a certain way and so then when I've when I found that then it was okay how can I grow in that so it's been picking from different coaches Mm -hmm. and taking tidbits and building it into my own library yeah, uh, but yeah, it really it goes back to when I was playing, and and it's it's crazy to think maybe I was a t- you know a little bit ahead of my time. I don't know, uh, but it, yeah. but it's something that I really have valued. And, I, and right or wrong, I try to push that into my play. Like, man, this is what I wanted as a kid. So let me try to expose that to yeah. our guys. And so it's, I try to do that as best I can. Let me ask you two things, two follow ups on that. I, I have a, I resonate with the part about because when I was lucky enough to like you mentioned, I played for great coaches that didn't run systems that I really liked. Right. I knew they were a great coach and I played for him. I did what I was supposed to do, but I wasn't trying to run flex every time down the floor. But that's what we did with Gordy. But one of the best things he told me was when I when I joined his staff, my first year coaching. And he was like, hey, don't you dare try to copy me and be me. You got to be you. And so if you leave this first year with a bunch of I hate, I hate, don't do this. Awesome. Don't think that there's only one way to Mm. go about this. And I hear that a little bit in you, too. Like, hey, good things. And bad things like that drives me nuts. I'm not doing this. Right. Yeah, no, I, I would I would agree. And I think in all my experiences, both as a player and then when I was coaching as an assistant, you know, it was and again, I don't even know if I intentionally did this, but mm. it was, oh, man, I really like that. I like that aspect of practice or I like that cultural philosophy or I like that scheme or whatever it is. And there were other things like, man, I don't like that. But I always do remember I never like complained about something and didn't have a solution behind it. Mm. So it was like, man, you know, I don't like just standing around and practice and talking and talking and talking. So if I ever became a head coach, this is what I'm going to do. And so I, I was like subconsciously building gotcha. you know, my philosophy without really even, you know, intentionally yes. thinking. Right. And I think that's important. You know, I had a, a player that played for me in high school who's gotten to coaching and, He's been fortunate enough to be around different coaches and, you know, there's an opportunity for him to come back to our, or come to our staff. I should say not come back. And he said, you know, Mako, I really want to coach with you. I love everything, but I, I want to like take on or experience other philosophies. Uh, I was like, man, that's such a mature thing for him to say yes. because we can, we can navigate towards what's comfortable or we can definitely just expose ourselves to a lot of new things. And even if we're in, programs are working with coaches that we don't agree with most of what they do there's going to be something that you can learn yeah and i think yeah. that's really really important yeah that's huge i think we've connected on this i think curiosity is a superpower 
right? It like absolutely it, it, is. it keeps you humble, keeps you hungry and keeps you growing in, in a lot of ways. And sometimes you're learning, whoa, I'm not that awesome, right? I, yeah, I got to figure sure. something out. Let's take our first break and we'll be right back. The Cass I Own Foundation exists to raise money for Alzheimer's and dementia care and treatment, as well as support systems for caretakers. We also are raising money to support individuals and causes who exist in the line with the moralities and belief systems of our namesake, our dad, Cass. To find out how you can donate today, visit our foundation website, Cassione, foundation.org, or register for our Capstone Launch Fundraising event, July 22nd. The Cassione Foundation Invitational Golf Tournament, birdease, E-A-S-E dot com backslash K-I-F 2023. Guys that play for George Fox, guys that are going to be great Bruins, what words or phrases do you use to describe them? Uh, so our we have a saying, MBFO, which we stole, by the way. Man, Good. Everything is, we're the best thieves in Everything the business. Everything is stolen. Yep. Uh, but they're going to say that. Um, you're going to hear that phrase a lot to just talk about who they are, their impact uh, as men in society. Um, you're going to hear them use the phrase just sprint a lot, uh, kind of our style, who we are, our existence. Um, those are things that would be pretty much uh, shared amongst, you know, all of our, of all of our former players. Um, yeah. Beyond that, you're going to hear just, you know, words like love and care um, and relationships Um you know, connection, like those things are very prevalent in what we do. It's it's funny when I ask this question, because I think coaches are, we're like built to like condense this big, huge whole culture thing into these mantras in these phrases. Yeah. And we all, you <laughs> know, sure. like we've got our yeah. shirts, we've got our signs, we've got our hashtags. Um, yep. For you, what are players that, you know, have been four year program completers for you? What are you hoping? What are you thinking they're saying about, hey, I played for Coach Hamilton. This is who he is. Yeah, I, I believe the the high majority of them. I mean, obviously, there's there's always the outliers who yep. just didn't connect, and that's that's okay. That's a part right. of life. Not every relationship, every person you come into, you're compatible with. But I would say that the high majority of our of the guys who play for me, they're going to tell you that I cared about them. Uh, there was an intentionality in developing mm. a connection and a relationship. There was a concern for their well being as people. Uh, they're going to tell you that I was demanding um, mm. and asked a lot of them. Uh, across a lot of different lines, uh, but that, that there was a definite care. Um, they're going to tell you that, you know, I am stubborn in a lot of ways, um, you know. and Them and, uh, and your wife or just them? Your wife and your kids add to that list? Yeah, yeah, they would all say, yeah, <laughs> everybody close to me, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I think those would be consistent things that would be shared. It's it's such a – and I'm not trying to say that, that we go about the business as coaches of curing cancer and other major important things – but it is a hard line because I think there's a delayed scoreboard, right? For you to get that feedback that you want and hope you're working towards and hope your actions, like you mentioned, I love the word intentionality. You hope that is the case, but you don't get that, right? As the coach until most of the time when our young men grow up and they're a little older and a little more mature and able to reflect, then we yep. get some of that. And obviously you've probably had moments in teams that were like, no, I, they fed me with that feedback in the moment, but it's so hard. It's a delayed gratification almost. For sure. Yeah. If I could tell a quick story. Of yes. That, and this is when it really like hit with me. So I have a, a 12 year old son who's, you know, he's really into sports and basketball. He loves. 
And one particular day we were out, you know, I was working with him and he gets frustrated with me a lot, you know, cause I coach him hard. I get on yeah. him. And uh, this particular day, a former player of mine who I coached at, at the high school level, he's now in his early thirties, came over to watch a game was hanging out, which is not uncommon, the relationships I have. And so I, I, I sat my son down Kyrie with this, this young man, Justin, I'm like, Hey, Oz, I go tell Kyrie what it was like to play for me. And he talked about, man, you know, your dad was tough. You know, he got on us, uh, man, but he was passionate. He cared. And he said all these things. And then Kyrie, you could tell he was kind of like, oh, that like, that's, you know, then he'd ask him some questions. Well, what about this? And then Justin would tell him something. And it was really cool. And then like a few weeks later, I had him do that same exercise with uh, like a former player at Fox who had just graduated. Yeah. Hey, Kalu, sit down with Kyrie. And, 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 it was the, and he said the exact same things that a kid who played for me 10 years that's earlier. awesome. And my son was just like, it's like he had an epiphany, like, oh, yes. like, okay, I res like the way that I'm feeling, they felt that way, but, but their way that they are talking about my dad in reverence, it's like, okay, he's yeah. not bad and he's <laughs> good. Yes, there's a and message to his madness. That was really cool for me oh, to yeah. hear them as adults post being in my program say that. And it just, it meant the world to me oh, that they were man. having influence on my son yet you know, confirming and, and speaking highly of me in that way. I, it was really cool. And I think that's really, at our level at D3, that's really the bonus packages available to us because there's not going to be bonuses for if you figure out a way to win the Northwest Conference and go to the third round, there's not a kicker for another right. five figures or six figures. So uh, that that's really awesome. Good for you. I should try that with Lincoln. Maybe I'd get something. I'm going to steal that story as a dad. Thank you. Uh, lower stake stuff for folks listening, potential Bruins or people interested in the program. Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, choose your own adventure. What's, what shoe company are we affiliated with in Newburgh? Yeah, we're, we're all Nike at, at GFU, all Nike all the time. So a lot of alums there and a good, strong connection. So it's been a good relationship. Give me – I'm a first year. I'm on campus. I wake up day one. Mom dropped me off. Where am I, where are the touch points on campus? What are the facilities I'm using? What's my day looking like? I'm going to have class. I'm going to have food. I'm going to hoop. Give me just a, a flow. I know it's not a digital tour of the campus, but just in general. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the kids are going to touch really every kind of part of our campus. You know, obviously, they're going to spend a lot of time in the academic quad. Our campus is really split into like thirds, so they're going to spend mm. a lot of time in the academic quad. They should be. Um, there's going to be a lot of time in the student life area where they're going to be in their dorms. They're going to be uh, in our Canyon Commons, which is our beautiful dining facility, uh, which is about seven years new. Um, and then obviously they're going to spend a, a whole heck of a lot of time uh, in the Wheeler Sports Center where they're going to be hooping and uh, lifting. You know, they'll be in our team room quite a bit um, in my office. Uh, so that's where all of our athletic stuff is, is housed. So um, I think that's the cool thing about our campus. They get a touch of every part really at different points of the day. So they're getting a, a full experience of, of the George Fox way of life. What's the housing requirement? Is it one year, two year? What's the, what's the use for a George Fox athlete? Yeah. So two, two years is the re requirement. There are some exceptions for students to move off of campus after year one. Um, they meet one of the checklist items. So, uh, mm. but two years is kind of the general, the general rule of thumb there. Does a, do a majority of your kids stay together as teammates and roommates? What's your thoughts in that? Because um, I know some coaches at Willamette, I didn't have a rule. I'd let them communicate as freshmen. They might. But I know yep. other programs like set it up. No, I want you to have the same exact calendar. So you have to room with the teammate. What's your philosophy? Yeah, so kind of more aligned with you, Kib. We give them the freedom. Uh, we've mm -hmm. had guys who have uh, come to George Fox with, 
you know, fellow, um, you know, high school classmates, right? Maybe they're a football guy or someone in their hometown. So if they have someone that they want to connect with, by all means, um, more often than not, though, the guys we have coming in, they're, they're really coming in by themselves and they want a room with another basketball player. So mm. then we, we set that up through the residence life. So I give them the option. Gotcha. You know? um, and then typically it becomes kind of organic after that when they move off campus, they'll, you know, whoever they've built that connection with whether it's on our team or sometimes it's, you know, people outside of that, you know, we let them right. do that. I think it is important to have balance, you know, yes. uh, we, we do so much stuff together as a team, regardless, like I'm not worried about them spending time or having a roommate so they can connect. Sometimes it's good to have a break from being around break the same call. over and that's, over and over. That's so. so I tell people when parents look to me like I'm crazy, like, no, sometimes they don't want to think about me anymore. Yeah. Right. Sometimes yeah. they want to get away from it. Yeah. This is fun. And hearing about, you know, you talked about Canyon Commons, the academic third. When I talked to Chad, like, and you probably experienced this, I've only ever been to one portion of all your campuses. Yeah. I've spent 22 years going to Wheeler, going yeah. to Olsen. And then you guys describe all these other places that right. are the norm. And I'm like, where the hell was he talking about a third? <laughs> right. You know, the bridge, don't slip on the bridge when you're walking <laughs> into Wheeler and then go get ready to play fast. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back. We'll take our second and final break with Coach. Cross the Streams is brought to you by Teams of Men. We exist to empower coaches, enlighten players to the opportunities provided by reimagining manhood. If you'd like to work with Teams of Men in any of the versions of services we provide, climate assessments, course curriculums, KIPP in-person speaking engagements, that's right, I'm the founder, please visit our website at teamsofmenllc.com. Teamsofmenllc.com. All right, coach, it could be this season in general. It could be your overall principle every year or maybe even like program over the decade. How do you define success at George Fox? A uh, few things. One, uh, first and foremost, that that group was connected. Um, I, I think if we have an unconnected group, it doesn't matter how many games we win. Uh, to me, that's a, a failure. We want our, our kids to be connected. Uh, it doesn't mean every guy in in you know, on the team has the best relationship with every person, but they're able to share life, value the experience um, and genuinely care about one another. Uh, secondly, just maximizing what we have. You know, every group is different. And, you know, this Kip, you can get a recruiting class on paper you feel really good about. And maybe they're not as good as you thought or you're like, man, this is not a great year. And all of a sudden the talent is better. I just want to end the year just feeling like we got everything out of that particular mm -hmm. group. Um if those two things happen, then to me, it's a, it's an, it's a success. Right. And then obviously yeah. the caveat on top of that is we just want to try to win as many games as possible yeah. and, and, and see if we can't, you know, have some postseason opportunity, which is kind of what we're measured by, by yeah. the, you know, the periphery, right. By people on right. the outside, but, but internally um, for us, if, if our, if our guys are, are connected, uh, if we've maximized their abilities. And and then the, the third thing in that phase is just to see growth. If they've grown mm -hmm. as people um, on the court, in the classroom, uh, just as citizens, then to me, like, we've been successful. So those are the three things I'm looking for. And then, obviously, the caveat is, is you know, trying to win as many games as possible. And, you know, to brag about you a little bit, you, you I mean, you guys obviously checked that last box in terms of made the conference tournament, had a hell of a run. I mean, I think you started off, what, one in ten? One and mm -hmm. nine, something like that. And still, I'm assuming the connected and the maximization allowed you to handle, oh, tough start. We ended up in the NWC semifinals. 
No question about it. Yep, no question about it. Those were those were two of the the big pushes to get us there. Um, we played a really tough non conference schedule, and you know we knew that going in. We probably weren't going to win too many non conference games, but the cool thing is we were able to do things. And I think it started prior to you know October fifteenth, where we didn't lose our kids because you can mm-hmm. you know you can tell oh. your kids until they're you're blue in the face. Oh, this is a tough schedule. We may not win games, but when they're in the midst of it and it's not happening, it's easy to lose them. And so yep. we weren't we stayed connected as a group, and then. When we were able to start having some some victories under our belt in conference, you know, the momentum just took off from there. That's awesome. The describe what success looks like. I'm a first year kid. What's my pathway? Because obviously I'm a first year kid in 2023. I see myself probably starting and scoring 40 a game in my first game, right? <laughs> you know, what is the path? How do you guys approach that with potential Bruins or even man to hell, like, you know, a junior? What's my path to success? Yeah, I mean, success, first of all, is different for every kid. And I think it's important that we identify that with them early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of generally speaking, we tell newcomers to our program, you're going to need to exhibit three things in order to play right away. And we give every kid an opportunity to play. Like competition is something we value. Uh, number one, you have to be physically ready to play, mm-hmm. right? You're playing against adults. We we were talking before we started here about the misconceptions of Division Three. And there's no misconception in the fact that they're adults playing at this Mm -hmm. level, right? So you got to be physically ready to play. Secondly, you have to be mentally ready to play in two facets. Number one, understanding what we're doing conceptually. If you can't pass the test, you can't play. Mm. So you have to prepare to know what we're doing when it's time to get on the floor. And then the third thing, and it goes in line with the mental part, the second part of the mental, is you have to be able to perform. Like Mm. what's going to show up? When when all else fails, what aspect of your game is going to consistently show up to where you have to be able to get on the floor? Because I know this is going to be there, right? It might just be you're an excellent communicator. You might be great in terms of defensive like energy and fight, you know, or you might be a knockdown shooter. But you got to demonstrate something. If you're inconsistent in performance, then it's going to be inconsistent Mm -hmm. playing time. So those three things we we basically say to our guys coming in, and so success for them is going to vary, right? Some guys, some first-year guys start, some are in our rotation, some don't play a lot. But if they're able to see growth in wherever they start, Mm -hmm. I think that's success. So we've had guys who haven't played, and then by the end of the year, they've gotten themselves into the rotation. That's success. We've had guys who started right from the get-go, and then they've been productive performers throughout the year. That's success. Question for you, and I don't think this is – I don't think I ever found the right balance. I think it was something I constantly struggled with. And I, and I like that, you know, it's very clearly defined for you all, the three things. How have you, how have you maybe either evolved in your th- addressing it or you've had like, hey, this has usually worked for me. I'm a role player. I balled out in the opportunity you gave me. Now I would no longer like to be a role player coach. I'd like to now have a new job. When sometimes just doing your job means you get to try to do the same job again. You know what I mean? Like, cause I think yeah. I, I think I oversold maybe here's the path, hit the benchmarks and you will keep climbing. But then I was always worried and my staff and I would spend a lot of hours and I'm sure a lot of coaches do, man, I think he's just playing to get a new job. I don't know if he's playing to win. Does that make sense? Like, but like yeah. talk to me, just your thoughts about, I don't, I didn't put this in the script, so it's it catching you off guard a little bit, but how do we, how would you all address it? I know you got a great staff and you got, you guys are, collaborative how would you guys address something like that yeah i think we're the ultimate optimist sometimes to Mm. a fault uh we're always sharing with our guys the things that we want them to do in order to get the opportunities that they're yearning for whether it's not playing to get minutes 
middle rotation to play more, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I, and, but I say those things in sincerity, like, Hey, like there's no guarantee. I'm not promising them, but I'm saying, if you can do this, you, you could get a more better opportunity. Right. Yeah. You also have to be mindful of, you know, we have 15, 16 other guys on the team. So if everyone else is improving or mm. doing those things, then you're not going to get the opportunities that you covet. Mm -hmm. So it kind of goes hand in hand. Right. So right. really what I, what we, we try to just tell our guys is control what you can control and be excellent in what we're asking you to do. And there's satisfaction in that. It may not correlate to more minutes, more opportunities, more points, whatever you're yearning for, but it is contributing to success. And you are yeah. doing what you needed to do to feel good about yourself. And that's important yeah. to me. Because we have a lot of kids who do little things. It might be three or four minutes a game, and they're doing exactly what we're asking to do. And applaud. You've mm -hmm. done it. That doesn't mean you're going to play now 12 minutes. Right. But in those four minutes, you did everything that we needed to be successful. You've done yeah. your, your part. I really like the framing, too, because I do think sometimes, even in the one-on-one -on -one conversation with the kid, you're discussing you're going to get better, but then he's assuming everyone else will stay the same. The Correct. other seven, that's, a, I really like that framing. Like, man, yes, you got to keep growing, but not because you're going to lap these dudes. You got to keep growing just to keep pace with every, if we're doing it right. Right. Let's yep. hope. Cause Absolutely. I, it's uh it was always hard for me to be like, man, I understand what you want. I understand the goals you want, but you're dangerously close to rooting for your teammate to fail. Right. And that ain't going to help us when we go play Fox. That's not going to help us. Like, Oh, he turned it over three times. Here comes my turn. Well, yeah, but you're down eight when you get in the game now, when this happens. I agree. Uh, and I would say, too, it's, it's also just to piggyback on that. It's important to, like, you know, you hear people talk about defining roles. I think it's very important, though, to communicate that to the team. Like, uh, I've never been one to be bash, bashful about saying, like, hey, these are our three guys. Like, sorry, you're not going to play ahead of yeah. them. These, you know, or, yeah. this, like, making it very clear to the team you may not like hearing that, but this is the reality. So you don't yeah. think the kid that's starting and playing 35 minutes, you have a chance to pass up. No, you don't. Right. And I'm not going to say he's better than you. Like, I'm not going to give negative talk, but right. we're going to be very clear. Like, hey, these are, you know, this is our guy. These are our five starters. These are our seven top seven. Like, we have no issues communicating very clearly to our team kind of the pecking order. I think that's very, yeah. very important. No, that's really good. That's really, really good. Because then you also can't hide behind, well, I didn't know what you were thinking. I didn't, you know, that that's really good. Last yeah. one, you you kind of touched on this with that. That was a great story with your former players and your son. But when you're when you're done, when you're retired from this gig, what what would be the definition for success for you, the coach, for you personally in your career? Yeah, and I and I and I think about this a lot. Sometimes I think about when I retire or when, you know when my time on earth has come to a close and people yeah. at my funeral, what is that going to look like? But ultimately, yeah. Kip, I want this to be a, a ever evolving thing. Um, and I, it, it can be even when I'm still active, what I hope happens is the players who have played with me, the parents who have engaged with me, uh, the people that I have worked with, whether it's other coaches, secretaries, you know, administrators, I hope there's a point in their journey where my who I am comes across their mind, whether it's mm. they see something, they have a reflection, and that when they have that moment of reflection, that there is 
a positive impact in their time getting to know me. Um, whether that's in totality experience of playing in things that I may have said to them, the yeah. interaction with parents, that's what I hope happens. I just hope that even, even the kids who, when they, they walked away, maybe disgruntled or didn't like their experience, that at some point they can reflect and they can take away a positive mm. that had meaning in their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if that happens and I don't even have to know about it, then, then to me, that's success. That's so good. The Anybody listening that wants to follow along this season with you all, either yourself or the program in general, what are the mediums, either social, website? How do they stay connected with the Bruins this season? Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're on most of the, the social media platforms, uh, GFU Athletics, George Fox Ath- Athletics. They can follow GFU MBB, Men's Basketball on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, they can follow me at Coach Shark on Twitter. Uh, Mako Hamilton, M. Hamilton on on uh, IG, although I'm more of a Twitter guy. And they can also just get on our website, GFU Bruins, um, and they can they can follow all of our stories and, and schedule and learn about our players and all that stuff. So we love love all the support we can get. Appreciate it, man. Hey, this was awesome. I appreciate your authenticity, your vulnerability and sharing and um, obviously look forward to you guys not putting 100 points on any team that I'm in charge of this year because I'm over that. I've lived that experience. <laughs> well, hey, I appreciate it, but the best believe the Bearcats, whoever it is, we're still going to come for 100. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I know, I know.